This is like the sixth time that I have done this intro. And you know what? We're just going to take it as it is. Um, welcome to season two. There's a lot to talk about. It's going to be another crazy ride. Buckle up. Let's go. Hello, welcome! Season 2. I know I don't sound as excited as I should, but yo, I wish you could see my heart. Um, I am so excited. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. First of all, because of what is to come. Um, uh, I know that's, you know, kind of weird that I would tell you that and then not get into the details, but I really can't. Um, second, I am excited for this episode uh, that we will get into and third just to get this out of the way i am i am excited because i'm thankful i am thankful for the support that i have received from each and every one of you um who has been listening to you know the past season who has been following the instagram page who has been supporting me in one way shape or form through words of encouragement through actually coming on the podcast and sharing amazing amazing insight yo my heart is so full of gratitude and i am so thankful I do not get paid to do this. I do not get any kind of compensation for this. It is purely just to see the kingdom of God grow. And I don't know what the future holds, but for now, man, that is, that is more than enough. And I am, again, so, so, so grateful. I am thankful for the conversations that this podcast has been able to start. I am thankful for the lives it has been able to change. I am thankful for the listeners that it has been able to bring alongside. And I hope that that only grows exponentially this season and the next and the next and the next and for whatever is to be is to come in the future i pray that we may remain in this space where we are sold out for god unapologetically christian and just looking to see what he does and man we saw that i mean i saw that in the first season and i am so excited to see what is going to happen in this season and yo i'm going to tell you this now um, it's going to be crazy. If you thought season one was mad, um, season two is going to be even crazier. Uh, a lot more conversations uh, lined up, uh, a lot more crazy, crazy things coming your way and crazy in a good way, crazy in a very challenging way, crazy in an embarrassing way, crazy in cringe way. We're just going to attack and attack and attack sin and not just by violence, but by showing love, showing gratitude, living in remembrance. And uh, all of that is going to be kind of summed up in this season's theme or main word, which is drum roll, a new hope, a new hope. This season, the word the theme is a new hope and we're going to get into it in just a bit. I cannot start without praying us in and uh, just giving God all the glory. So 
wherever you are, uh, if you can bow your head, if you can close your eyes, if you can't, it's okay, you know, um, just a posture of surrender. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that, Lord, it has been a long time between season one and season two. Things have happened, good, bad, uh, but you have seen me through, you have seen the team through, and you have seen whoever is listening to this very moment through in their lives. And I pray that the content that they're about to engage in, that it may not be uh, for my glory, but Lord, it may be for yours. And I pray that for their lives, whoever it is that is listening, they may be affected in a positive way to be challenged, to grow and to live as you have, as you would have them live in the purpose that you have chosen for them. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Yes. Um, guys, four minutes in and I'm already way too excited. Um, <laughs> Here's the thing. I am hoping, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I am hoping to see tremendous growth this season. And um, the most shallow definition of that is on our socials and our engagement. Uh, you know, want to see more people following the page, you want to see more uh, individuals recognizing this podcast. Uh, that's that's the most shallow reason. And the reason I wanted to start with that is because I want us to like see what that looks like, like from, um, from the outside, that being the most shallow reason, from the outside, what that looks like coming in. More engagement would mean more people are having an opportunity to engage the word of God. And that means that more people are having their views challenged. More people are having their, the conversations in their lives, uh, with their friends, with their family, in their churches, taking a whole new shape and a whole new dynamic where the conversation is Christ driven primarily in every single aspect of their lives. And if we can see that grow, in the most shallow way through the number of followers, number of likes on a page or a post, then it kind of is a litmus test of the quantity of people that that is being reached. Uh, but then, like I said, and I'm going to say it again, that is a shallow reason. The most important one is the quality. And when it comes to the quality, I cannot care if we have a million followers, if you have two, if we have one, as long as there is a high quality doctrine that is being preached, a high quality uh, type of conversation that is being had, and a high quality type of relationship that is being relayed, relationship between yourselves and I, relationship between us and God, that is the most, the most important one. And Having to take these two things into account, the quantity and the quality, it's a very interesting tension to walk in because it means that we have to pay attention to what is happening around us in terms of the society and especially us as young people. We have to pay attention to the narratives that are being pushed forward. And we also have to, on the other hand, make sure that we are staying true to doctrine and God and what the Bible says and that being our ultimate authority. So it's quite an interesting tension to walk in. And that's what we're going to be trying to do more of this season. And we did do it. And I feel like we did it amazingly. And the feedback I got, we did it 
really well in the past season and I just want to keep at it and keep growing. Um, so yeah, if you have any feedback, uh, feel free to get to us on the page, Project Killing Sin on Instagram and just slide into the DMs, let us know, you know, um, complaints, comments, encouragement, man, anything that can go into enhancing this listening experience, people that you know that would want, that you would probably want to hear their views on, on the podcast, man, let us know. We, we can organize to have interviews and do that. Like we just want a holistic view of who God is and what he has in store for us in our lives as young people. Um, but with that said, let us dive into today's episode, uh, which is just an introduction to the theme, which is new hope. And <laughs> I cannot introduce the theme without talking about the journey that has been. Um, between episode 20, season one, with David, my best friend, my brother, uh, love, love you so much, bro. Uh, it was such an amazing episode. Yo, if you haven't listened to it, go back. Just give it a listen and just see where we left off and kind of get a, like a kind of trajectory of where we're going. But between then and now, here we are going to the end of the year. It has been a crazy journey. And it has been crazy because of this thing called hope. <laughs> um, I'm going to get into it as we progress into the season and even, you know, into, in, into this episode. Hopefully I'll get to flesh it out more. Uh, but hope for me this year has been really challenged. It has been broken, reshaped, like ground up, taken away and in, in very different orders. <laughs> like, just when I thought this was it, uh, something comes out of nowhere. And what has been interesting was, um, I, I got the kind of the, the word for the season, the, like this idea of new hope last year while I was working on season one. And I just put it to the side and I was like, God, okay, as I work, finish on season one, going to season two eventually, I didn't even know how exactly we're going to get there, but I was like, yo, um, as we get into season two, flesh out this thing for me, show me what it really means. And my view has changed, guys. Like it has changed what I thought New Hope would mean when I got the word and when I shared it with my friends versus what it means now when I go back to the same friends and we have a conversation about how the year has been. It's, it's massively different. And it's massively different um, in a good and bad way. Like things have happened to us um, like it, it got to a point where I was just looking at my life at my friends' lives and would, I was just like, yo, God, we're suffering. We're struggling. Like mental health issues. We're having drama in, you know, in our families. Um, you know, finances, jobs, careers, all these things. There was just, there was a lack of purpose. There was, like things were just dragging along, along here and there. And then there was also the highs where there was reconciliation, where there was healing, where there was provision. And it was just very difficult to merge these two things and still have the word hope in our lips coming from our, you know, um, in our conversations. At some point, it was just like the word wasn't hope. It was survival. It was let's just see what comes next because right now, we just need to survive. The word was struggle. The word was hopelessness. 
the word was faithlessness, the word was anger, the word was frustration, the word was giving up. Everything was against this hope that we had. And this is what this year has been for me particularly and for a lot of my close friends. And I, I don't know if that has been the same for you, but that's why I want to start this conversation today. The journey to this very moment has been very difficult um, on my side. And I think it was very necessary, not, not I think, I am convinced looking back, it was very necessary because something needed to shift. And that thing that needed to shift, I still don't have my finger on it, but I'm starting to see for me personally and what I want us to look at in this episode is our idea of remembrance. So new hope, that's what we're focusing on. That is the main agenda. But we cannot get to new hope if we do not, first of all, reconcile the fact that we have hopes, we have old hopes, we have current hopes, we have future hopes, and then we have new hope. And we cannot get to a new hope in Christ particularly, because that's what we're looking at, if we do not do this one thing that is super important. And this thing is remembrance. And I want to start us off jumping right into the word. Um, I'll be reading from the book of Proverbs 13, verse 12 because I want us to see something here. And I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. Uh, this has become one of my go-to versions of the Bible. So Proverbs 13, verse 12, and it says, it's very simple, and a lot of us know this verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. I love this verse, but I hate it. Because this has been the encouragement that I've had to cling on to <laughs> most of this year, because I have felt like my hope has been deferred. I have felt like my hope has been, has been taken from me. I felt, I, I, I felt a lot of things. And again, I'll keep saying this over and over. It, it, it was very weird because it wasn't just me. I was looking at my closest friends and predominantly this is what we were going through this year. So when I got to this verse, like when I finally sank in, I hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. It got me thinking about these two things, hopes and dreams. And I want to segue into this um, as we still talk about, you know, the main theme, which is new hope, but now going into that sub theme that I mentioned, which is remembrance. See, we cannot have a new hope if we don't have old hope. Nothing makes something new if there's not an old version of it. <laughs> you don't come up with an, an, an invention and then call it, uh, you know, a, a newer version of ABC. There must have been, there must have been a predecessor. There must have been an old version so that you can come and say, so that you can come and add a tagline like, you know, brand new or this is a newer version of ABC. And it got me thinking about, what is this old hope that I have had that has brought me to this place where now I need a new hope? And the answer was in this verse. And it was very interesting because it was kind of this, these two words, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The word hopes and the word dreams. 
And it got me thinking about this, you know, conversation that we have all the time, you know, our hopes and dreams. We talk about our hopes and dreams. We talk about, you know, our life goals. We talk about, you know, our career goals. We talk about our family goals, our personal goals, all these things. And these are parts of our hopes and dreams. But it also got me thinking, if there is an old hope and an old dream, then that would make sense for it to have a new hope and new dreams. But from what place am I coming from when I think about my old hopes and my old dreams? And this for me was very difficult because I had to now begin addressing myself as a Christian. I follow Christ. I am a representative of the Christ way. That is what it means to be Christian. That means that I am following Christ, not just following Christ, but I am found in Christ. And on top of being found in Christ, I am living my life that is pleasing to God, the creator. So all of a sudden, it's not just about me. It's about God and it's about me and it's about others. So there's three parties involved here. And primarily what I want to focus on is the first two, which is myself and God. And this was, it was a very bitter pill to swallow because when I think about my hopes and dreams, most of the time, after doing a simple evaluation, a simple analysis, they were my selfish goals, my selfish dreams, and God happened to be part of it, happened to be part of them. And I justified them and we can't, we can justify them knowingly or unknowingly, innocently or maliciously. We can justify our hopes and dreams in God because you can say, oh yeah, he gave me the ability to do this. He gave me the tendency to do this. He opened up this door. He opened up that door. But I had to ask myself this simple question. When was the last time that I considered God's hopes and God's dreams for my life? And when I began to answer that question, it really hit me hard and it really hit me very, very uncomfortably that there might be a chance that my hopes and dreams are not God's hopes and dreams. And when I got to this place, it was very difficult because now I had to ask myself the follow-up question, which is, how do I navigate this space? I have lived my life um, clinging on to my hopes and my dreams, knowing that God is with me. And indeed, he has been with me, but never really considering God. What exactly are your hopes? What are your dreams for my life? And these things that I have that you have given me, were they stepping stones towards the hope and dreams that you have for me, or were they the end goal for what you have for me? And when we ask that question, oftentimes I can guarantee you the answer that you will get is, those are not my hopes and dreams for you. And this is me speaking specifically to us as young people. We go through a process of molding. We go through a process of being broken down to near ash and being built back up by God because, you know, that's just the nature of what sin is. When we are born in sin, born in iniquity, when we come to God, he breaks us down to build us back up. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's a painful process. And that pain, that pain leads us to places where we cling to old patterns, we cling to old things, and we begin to have justifications for them 
having to come to pass. And those justifications can be very, very misleading. We have phrases that mislead us. We have mindsets that mislead us. We have a skewing of the word of God that misleads us. And that's what I want us to address today. And the only way that we can address the correct way of looking at hopes and dreams and the view of God is to live in remembrance. Now, remembrance, like, I know this is a kind of crash course and we're going really fast, but I hope you can stick with me. Um, I, I, I hope by now you have your pen and paper because I have a pen and paper in front of me. I had to write all this down because I don't want to get derailed. Um, but, okay, let me take a step back. Back to my hopes and dreams. So here I am and I've asked myself this simple question. My hopes, my dreams versus God's hopes and God's dreams. In pure knowledge, just going off the knowledge that I have, the knowledge that we have of God and the Bible, we know that you know God's ways are higher than, are higher than our ways. That He that the plans that He has for us are greater than the plans we have for ourselves, and that's well and good. But when it comes to our hopes and dreams, that's where it becomes a bit tricky because now, God, you're dealing with the things that I love. You're touching on you're touching on the reason that I've woken up most of my life that I've gotten out of bed most of my life. You're, you're, you're messing with the thing that when I look back at my life has given me genuine joy, has given me laughter, has given me so much hope, that has given me so much promise, has given me so much, has given me so much fulfillment. Like you're, you're starting to ask me to surrender things to you that I am afraid you might not necessarily want to work in. And that is scary. I still know that whatever you have for me is greater, but I am, I don't want to believe that there is a scenario where what you have for me is greater than what I already have, because what I already have looks really good. And it could, the only thing that it could need is your blessing in it. I hope that makes sense. I was looking at my hopes and dreams and I was, I was telling God, well, if you have hopes and dreams for me, because what I have looks amazing, I want to believe that your hopes and dreams for me are just a refining of what my hopes and dreams are for myself. You know, wanting to be a professional here, wanting to be successful there. Like those are my hopes and dreams. And I'm hoping that when I read your word, what you mean when you say you have hopes, you have dreams for me, it's simply you're coming alongside and tweaking what you've already allowed me to walk in and make it perfect. So that can be my hopes and dreams. And oftentimes that's not the case. Oftentimes that's not what we see, especially, especially when it comes to taking a walk with God seriously. And we see this throughout the entire Bible. We see it, we see it like every, if you just read through every single person's story, every single hero of faith story, that is, because that's the standard that we're going at on this podcast. And that's the standard I'm going at with my life to become a hero of faith to be worthy of being put up uh, on, on the same standard as some of these people who walked with God. And to get there isn't about great feats. It isn't about having a large following. It's about doing the things that they did, which is surrendering their hopes and dreams. Abraham comes to mind. 
Oh man, his hopes and dreams were shattered when God tailed when God comes out of nowhere and says, "Get up and go to a land that I will show you." See, God's hopes and dreams had were the complete opposite of where he was at his time and his space because he was having his own life. And God is like, "No, no, no, this is not for you." Moses, the exact same thing is like, "Yeah, the plans I have for you, this is not it." David, the exact same thing. You can imagine he is tending to sheep and then God is like, no, 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 the, the hopes and dreams I have for you. Now, nah, they're, they're massively different. Look at Peter, look at Paul, look at, look at every single person, Old, Old Testament, New Testament, look at Mary, look at, like, look at all these people. It's like God comes in with his hopes and his dreams and instantly we see the vastness and the difference of God's hopes and God's dreams. And when I saw that, man, it it gave me hope, <laughs> a new hope, and that's why I began to see it, but it also really, really broke me because I could not imagine surrendering the one thing that I thought, this is where God will bless me. This is where God is going to walk with me. And having to say, God, you're probably going to give me something new that is going to be a lot better, but it's going to be unfamiliar to me. And that frustrates me because I have lived this life wishing that the hope I have is the same hope that you have for me and so I can walk in it. And the reason that I I am so confident that God's hopes and dreams are different from our hopes and dreams comes from what I said earlier the aim of why we're walking with God. If your aim is just to live a mediocre Christian life, then trust me, your hopes and God's hopes will be the same for the rest of your life. Because if that's your standard, then the God that you serve is the one that you see in the mirror every day. And I know that's harsh. Um, by now you should know that I don't care. <laughs> uh, if your view of your hopes and dreams are still continuing to come to pass day after day and you still call yourself a growing Christian, then you might be your own God. Because nowhere in the word do we see, do we see God work in that way. When God comes into a situation, when God comes into someone's life, it changes drastically. And it is a scary change that unless we are reading about it, we would not sign up for and it's very interesting because right now I can go and read Abraham's story and be like, oh man, father of nations, all this, you know, like reading of all these blessings, reading of David and all his achievements. But if I was in his shoes, like if I was there with him, not knowing what is to come and getting an instruction and God actually showing me his hopes and his dreams, would I really submit to it? Would I really turn and say, yo, David, I think you should go with God because he knows better. Would I, conf- would I confidently say that? And that's where I was. So I had to ask myself, how do I submit? Openly submit, like not, not I, I guess openly is the, is the wrong word. How do I comfortably, the best I can, comfortably submit to this new hope and dream, to this new hope? specifically. And the only way that I could do that was by living in remembrance. 
by looking back and seeing what God had done in my life when I thought that this was the best version of everything I could have or when I thought this is the worst that could ever be and God had come through, I had to live in remembrance. And that took me to the second verse, uh, which is Psalm 30, verse 5. And this is when my hope was was trashed and thrashed and (laughs) I had to start living in remembrance because I was like, what I'm seeing right now does not represent the nature of God that I know. So his work must not be finished. So anyway, I was in Psalm 30 verse 5, and this is a verse that, again, we know. Um, And it's very simple. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And this is the tag. Weeping may last for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. See, when it comes to rem- to remembrance, the one thing that I want us to focus on right now, and this is quite a heavy verse that needs to be unpacked and needs to be read in its context. But as I read this verse, it's I'm seeing anger, I'm seeing favor, I'm seeing night, I'm seeing weeping, I'm seeing rejoicing, I'm seeing mourning. It's a lot of opposites. But all of these opposites exist in the same context. And that's what I want us to do today, to live in remembrance, but a holistic remembrance. We must remember holistically. Holistic remembrance. We need to remember the bad. We need to remember the good. We need to remember the night so that we can look forward to the day. And when the day comes, we need to remember the night so that we can thank God even more for the day that he has given us. If we have partial remembrance, that makes our hope very weak and it keeps us in the current hope that we have and we have no chance of walking into a new hope. If I look back at my life and I only remember the good times, I only remember like uh, the times that 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 are uh, that that things went my way, and I choose to not remember anything else, then I am turning God into a very weak God because I do not trace His hand when I needed it the most, and that does not usher me into a brand new hope, and that does not stir me up to get to a place where I submit to Him and I say, God, have Your way. If you do not have a holistic remembrance, you cannot walk in a new hope. And that's what I said earlier. If you do not have a holistic remembrance, then you just might be your own God because you want to remember things on your own terms. You want to remember like the good things that happened to you. And when that's all you do, then you start to put hope in yourself. You start to put, you know, uh, you start to believe in yourself. You start to, um, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. That's a very problematic statement, uh, that can be redeemed. The whole, be- like, believing in self and stuff. And hopefully we'll talk about it later down the line. But we start to believe in ourselves in the wrong way. We start to put this weight on ourselves to sustain ourselves. And it sounds empowering and it even looks empowering. But that keeps us trapped in a whole, a very old hope that gets stale very fast. But because we're in it, we do not notice the staleness until it's too late. And too late could be physically too late like we start to notice these things later in our lives or it could be too late when it comes to eternity where we stand before God and see that the hope that we walked in did did nothing to sustaining us and in fact counter did counter worked the the goodness of God in our lives 
So we must have a holistic remembrance. See, looking back at the good and the bad allows us to build a hope for what is to come. Like I said, we track his hand. And that was one of the most difficult things for me and my friends, for my friends and I this year. Um, looking back and having conversations where we come and we're just so tired and we're just so defeated and get to just sit together and be like, okay, let's remember God. Let's remember his hand. Let, let's, let's have a holistic remembrance. Let us, let us, let us remember the weeping and let's live in that weeping because some of us were in that weeping, but let us remember that morning is coming. Sorry, let's, let's have a hope that morning is coming and let us remember other times when we were in the darkness, when it was night and morning came and we thanked God for that. And in a very weird way that I still cannot explain, remembering the worst of the worst of the worst and then going back into those memories and tracing the hand of God, tracking the hand of God and seeing just how he took me out of that situation gave me a new hope, allowed me to walk in a new hope because I went into this situation and it was very strange. And maybe you can relate with me on this. Sometimes God didn't come and save me from the situation. <laughs> Sometimes when I look at the, like when I remember holistically, I see the sustenance in that situation. And to be honest, I, I don't even remember how I got out, but because I'm remembering the situation in, in its context, I begin to see the God who sustains. I begin to see the God who upholds. I begin to see the God who, who is present. And all of a sudden, it's not just the God who saves, the God who rescues. And these are good things. These are amazing, amazing things. But when I begin to think about God as this person who just comes and swoops in and takes me away, that is not a holistic view of remembrance. It's not a holistic view of who he has been in our lives because true growth comes in the sustenance that he gives us as we go through some of these storms. And if you do not live in a remembrance that is holistic, our minds, our the society that we're living in, our upbringing conditions us to kind of block out the bad and always just exclusively focus on the good and the good and the good. And this gives us this feeling, this kind of foundation that, you know what, life is not that bad and you, you probably have a handle on it. And that's very dangerous. Holistic living. And another thing about remembrance that takes me to the next verse, and I know we're really rushing, but uh, yo, I don't know. This is, this is just the pace that I'm on. Um, <laughs> uh, so we've gone from holistic remembrance. The second type of remembrance, or rather the second level of holistic remembrance, oh, of remembrance is remembering well. And the, it, it kind of sounds the same, but it's different. Uh, as we read this verse, uh, going to get the context of what this means. Remembering well gives us a fear of God. And I'm going to talk about this. So we've talked about the holistic remembrance where we, where we remember the good and the bad where we think back to when things were sideways and then the 
the way that they turned around and to where we are right now. And that gives us, allows us to walk in confidence of the same God who was there with us, is here with us now, and will be with us in the future. And that goes into giving us a new hope. But that's not enough. We must remember well. You see, what a holistic remembrance gives us is a jumping off point into a new hope. So assuming that we are on a diving board, getting into, you know, going to jump into the pool, what holistic remembrance gives us is that like the actual diving board. (laughs) So we're walking towards the diving board and we need to have a good jump. So the diving board is there. It's, you know, regulated. I don't know if they get regulated or anything, but it's bouncy. That's the most I can give. Um, It's a bouncy bouncing board. Uh, It's a bouncy diving board and it works well. And here we are running to the edge and it's bouncing and now we need to jump off well. And that's where remembering well comes in. And this is going to be in Psalm 105, particularly verse 5, but I'm going to be reading from 1 to 9. And it says, this is in the New Living Translation again. Psalm 105, verse 1 to 9, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Abraham are descendants, uh, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. He always stands by his covenant, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. He is the covenant, sorry, this is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. Now that's one to nine. It goes on all the way to, um, let me see, to 45. So when you get time, go and read it in its full context. But I wanted to read one to nine because it gives a pretty good context of, uh, verse five, which is remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. In an- another version, it says, remember the, um, Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and judgment he has given. And that's what I want to focus on because remembering well is knowing who God is, remembering who God is. So when it comes to a holistic remembrance, we remember who we were in God and how he sustained us and helped us and was with us. But that is not enough if we do not know the object of our faith to really know the object of our faith. See, a new hope, a new hope can only be sustained, sustained when the object of our faith is clearly defined. And this is where we are failing as Christians today. And this is what we're going to be doing this whole season, remembering well. So this is just a snippet of Like in every single conversation we have this season, in every single episode, I want you to always have this at the back of your mind. We are remembering well. Remembering well is knowing the nature of God. And the reason that this verse really stood out to me is because it is 
a kind of juxtaposition of, um, I don't even know if I'm using that word right. I, I, I hope I am. Anyway, in case someone knows what that means and this is not what I'm saying, uh, I'm going to break it down. It is a kind of um, an opposite that makes sense. I feel like that's the, that's the meaning of juxtaposition. Am I right? I don't know. I don't know. I have no time to find out. Um, but yeah, it's like these opposites that come together and they shouldn't be together, but they work. And that's who God is because this verse 5, it talks about remember the wonders that he promised. Remember the miracles and the judgments. And that's crazy. Like, you want me to remember the miracles and judgment? And it goes on down to talk about the promises and the covenant. Like, these are things that, that, that because of progressive Christianity, because of spirituality, for us today, it's been lost on us. And I, I would argue, um, like people say it's new age religion, new age Christianity, but this is the oldest trick in the book. This is what the devil came and did to Eve. You know, he was like, oh, f focus on yourself. When you focus on yourself, you forget the true nature of God and you rely or you lean into one side of God that without a full view of the other side falls apart. And I think this is not, not, I think I'm convinced this is the problem with Christianity, with Christianity today. You have one faction that has gone so far right into one area. And then you have another faction that has gone so far left into the other area that they both miss a holistic view of God and they do not remember well. And one turns into a legalistic you, um, kind of view where you have to work for your salvation. And another turns into this whole idea that this, that your salvation is already given to you. You don't even have to do anything for it. And once you have it, you don't, it should not reflect on your life. You have it and it's yours. You can go live however way you want to live and you have divinity within you. Both these views are very problematic and they can be solved and they should be solved by how we remember. Remembering well. And I want to talk about these things, miracles and judgment. It is a miracle that we're alive today. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, the amount of things that could kill us, the amount of things that could take your life, just on a physical level, you know, I personally hear so many stories of people, um, and this is by my own doing, going online and just reading the news, random things that take people's lives. Like someone could be walking, doing, just living their typical life, and then you just hear the craziest story. Something happened and someone died. And it's something that I do on a daily. You know, and and this is exponentially kind of exaggerated when it comes into the spiritual because now there's a target on our backs and the devil is going out of his way to make sure that the true followers of Christ they die prematurely they do not walk in their purpose that that they miss out on every single opportunity so it is a miracle that we are alive and we're walking and that you are listening to this and that I am able to even sit here and record this. It is a miracle because no party on this earth 
apart from God wants this to happen. The world doesn't want this to happen. The devil doesn't want this to happen. Society doesn't want this to happen. The environment itself doesn't want this to happen. Every single thing is geared against the progression of the word. And even though it groans for the day that it will be restored, for now there is a corruption that is against us. Even our own flesh is against us. That's how that's how much we are in opposition to God. So it is a miracle that we are here. And that we need to remember. We also must remember the rulings that he has given, the judgments that he has given. And this is where it gets problematic because we don't like to remember this. We do not like to remember that he is the God who judges. We do not like to remember that he is the God who is still God sitting on his throne. That yes, he is the father who will love you, who will hug you, who will do all these things. But he is the same one who will cast sinners into the lake of fire, who will punish evildoers, who will defeat the devil, who will fight, literally come down and fight through Jesus Christ and who has fought on our behalf and who dwells in unapproachable light. We don't like to talk about that version of God. And it's very problematic because if we do not have a balanced view of who God is, then we lack a true remembrance. And if we do not have a true remembrance, you cannot, we cannot, I cannot have any chance of walking in new hope Never, ever, ever, because new hope takes a good understanding of the object of my faith, and that is God. He is the God who will sit with me and weep with me and who will love me, but he is the same God who spoke everything into existence, who molded me, who breathed life into me, and who said in his word, if you must fear someone, if you must fear someone, do not fear man who can only destroy the body. Fear me, fear the Lord who can destroy the body and the soul. He said that. That God is the one who is sitting with me. That God is the one that I am serving. That God is the one who I'm turning to. And if I don't have a balanced view, then I do not have the fear of God. And if I do not have the fear of God, I cannot walk in a new hope because I will be stale in what I think is good for me. Because I have reduced God to a version, a good version of myself. And that's who God has become today in a lot of people's life. In a, in a, in a lot of Christians' views, God is just a better version of yourself. We have equated God, we have equated heaven, we have equated the promises that he has for us for a better version of yourself. And when that becomes the case, then it becomes very easy to walk in quote-unquote new hope, but there is no new hope there. You're just walking in your version of hope, and that gets old very fast. So you better wake up. You better wake up. The second thing is the promises and the covenants. And again, when we do not have a holistic view and we do not remember well this idea of God's promises and God's covenant, then we fail in walking in new hope. And this, this is a, it's, it's, it's another place where, again, there is a lot of disparities. There is, there is a lot of um, kind of uneven belief. A lot of people, myself included, we fall into this group where we 
overbelieve in God's promises. It's always, yes, his promises, the yes and amen. You know, God is coming through. And and, and then we, we slowly drift into the deep end where we have forgotten his covenant and we are relying on his promises. And all of a sudden his promises, the promises of God become anything that is good for us. And it's anything that is good for us by our own understanding. All of a sudden, God's promises is your job, a good job. That is God's promise to you. All of a sudden, God's promise is good health. All of a sudden, God's promise is a good spouse. All of a sudden, God's promise is, is you know, um, provision or favor or all these. And these things are good, but yo, that's not God's promise. No. No, 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 that is not God's promise. That is what we want him to promise us. And that's what he can give us. But when he doesn't give us, does that mean that he stops being God? Does that mean that he has broken a promise? No. When we don't have, when we don't remember God well in a holistic view of his promises and his covenant, then we do not walk in new hope. And not just that, but we even continue to kill the hope that we have. And that's what leads to the first verse that I read, which is hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you're walking in your own version of hope, a broken promise, quote unquote, broken promise is going to devastate us. And that's why I had to come. Because when I read the word and I see the things that God has promised, it's scary. The the first thing that comes to my mind is what Jesus promised, which is suffering. It's like, yo, in this world, you will have suffering. It's like, yo, bet. You know, of all the things that he could have said. It's like, yo, in, in this world, you will have success. Ooh, amen. In this world, you will have laughter. Oh, yes. In this world, you will have good jobs. Oh, amen. In this world, you will have a successful ministry. Oh, yes, 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 yes. No, no, no. He was like, in this world, you have suffering. If you need a promise, there you go. And I think he did this very intentionally because it forces us to look at the other side of this promise. Because in that same verse it says, but fear not because I have overcome. See, he delivers the promise. And it's a promise that we don't, that by itself is very bad. But when taken in its proper context, when taken in its proper view, when it is recited and remembered well, we see the beauty of a new hope. See, the suffering is promised, but it is also promised alongside the fulfillment of a covenant that stands above anything and above anyone and above everything and everyone. And that's what I want us to focus on. The miracles and judgment that create a healthy fear of God and the promises and covenant that remind us of this God that we serve, that he's not just a God who is using us to get to what he wants and we're not just a God and we're not just the people who are using him to get to what we want, but it is a relationship where he cares so deeply for us, more deeper than we would ever even know and that he has gone to the length of giving us whatever we need, even in the hard times. Because even though we have been promised suffering, remember the covenant that he has sealed through Jesus Christ on the cross. It is a covenant that guarantees that whatever suffering we have, 
That whatever promises that he has given us on this part of eternity, on this side of eternity, there is something far beyond, there is something far more amazing that has come because it has been secured in a covenant by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that, friends, is a new hope. That is what new hope is. And I want you to notice how this entire time, this entire conversation we've had, I have not even once gone into the specifics of what new hope looks like. I have not gone into like my testimony. I have not gone into, into like, uh, you know, specific things like, oh yeah, God will give you new hope in this. God will give you new hope in that because that's not what this is about. A new hope, walking in a new hope is exclusively about being in the same space as God, being on the same page. And when you're on the same page, Everything around you is super subjective. And I need you to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that your faith is subjective. No, faith, truth, very objective. (laughs) But everything else that is around us, all of a sudden, becomes malleable. And we easily submit it to God because we see the, 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 how can I say, like we see the, the weakness in it all. We see the, the change, the potential for change in it all. We see, we see the flimsiness of it all by itself. And that's where God had to bring me. That's where God had to bring my friends, where we got to a place and we said, man, this sucks. But this knowledge that we have that has now gone from our heads to our hearts allows us to walk in a new hope. And you know what, God? In unemployment, I have new hope. In bad relationships, I have a new hope. In a crappy family, I have a new hope. In sickness, I have a new hope. And the opposite becomes true. In provision, I have new hope. In a restored relationship, I have new hope. In a good doctor's report, I have new hope. In open doors, I have new hope. And my new hope is not hinged on the things that he has given me or the things that I do not have. My new hope is hinged on remembrance. Remembering holistically, focusing on God's hopes and dreams, and remembering well, knowing who God is, and having a healthy fear of God. And knowing that above everything, the promises that he has for me and the covenant that he has fulfilled, it works out for my good because he loves me and he loves you and he loves every single one of us. So every single thing that he is doing is for our benefit. That, my friends, is new hope. But it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of laying down what we have, our version of our hopes and dreams, our versions of good, our versions of successful, our versions of, of, of a happily ever after. Laying it down before God, not in weakness, not in defeat, but in surrender, knowing, truly knowing in our hearts, in our minds that, yo, what is to come? is genuinely greater than I could ever imagine, and I am here for it every single second. And I can tell you for a fact, it's not easy. 
And I want to finish as we started by just pointing us back, or rather pointing us forward to this season. It is going to be a season of looking back as we move forward. New hope is going to be rooted in remembrance. So in every conversation that we have, it is going to be about remembering. Remembering who God is, remembering what he has called us to do, remembering his word, remembering his nature, remembering our nature made new in him, remembering the bad, remembering the good, and remembering it well, that we may move forward. And it's going to be challenging. Oh, it's going to be challenging. Next week is going to be challenging. I am joined by my very amazing friend, and it's going to be the most triggering conversation. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to it. But it guides us into a new hope. New hope is uncomfortable. New hope is scary. New hope forces us to submit to things that man, we just have zero control over. But new hope is power. New hope is love renewed. New hope is faith restored. New hope is a dying heart resuscitated. New hope New hope is God. So until next week, I wish you all the best (laughs) as you begin to remember what God has done. Begin to challenge yourself to have an attitude of remembrance, to to have a posture of surrender, and to begin to embrace new hope. Be blessed. Love you all.